Well, good morning. I'm Tommy Green. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Centerpoint. This morning, we're going to continue on in our series entitled, It's All About Relationships. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an insert with an outline of today's message on it entitled, Relationships with Your Children. Um, you need a pen to fill in the blanks as you follow along. If you just raise your hands, our ushers will come by and get you a pen. It's all about relationships. If you come to Centerpoint for any amount of time, you're going to hear that phrase over and over because it's, not, it's more than just a title to a sermon series. It's something we really believe. We believe that uh, the church isn't about a building, but it's about uh, people like you and me having a relationship with God and having relationships with each other. This morning we're going to be talking about having a relation, how to have a good, healthy relationship with our children. Before we do, I want to give you just a little insight about where I come from on, with this. Uh, Shelly and I have three children. We have a 10-year-old son by the name of Samuel. We have a six-year-old princess from Korea named Lizzie. And then we have a three-year-old son by the name of Ethan. And the principles that I'm going to teach you on this morning are things that I've learned from my parents, things I've learned from books I've read, things I've learned just uh, uh, from life itself, from experiences. And what I want you to realize that these are things I've learned so far. I'm not an expert in this by no means, but these are some principles that I've learned that have helped in our home that I hope will help in yours. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, I want to come before you this morning. I want to thank you, uh, Lord God, first and foremost, Lord God, for our relationship that we have with you. Lord, that is the most important relationship that we'll ever have. As a matter of fact, Lord, if we have a right relationship with you, Lord, it will positively impact all the rest of our relationships, including our relationships with our children. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would speak through your scriptures and that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. And Lord God, that you would give us insight into how to have good relationships with our children. We pray that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Point one on your outline simply states, God has given us a window of opportunity to raise our children. It's an opportunity, but it's a window of opportunity. Matter of fact, on the out beside it, you might want to write the word short. Because it is a short window of opportunity. In fact, Psalms 39.5 states, You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is just but a breath. Now, the writer of Psalms was saying life is really short. Well, if life is really short, then the time that we have with our children is very short. Matter of fact, most of us will have the opportunity to really influence our children and to raise them for a period of about 18 to 20 years before we send them off into the world. It's a very short amount of time. I'll never forget the, when I was at the hospital with our first child and the nurse reached over and she handed me my son and put my son in my arms for the very first time. That was one of the most amazing moments of my life. But something happened at that moment. Someone reached over and pushed the fast-forward button on my life. Because my life just seems to be going full speed since then. As a matter of fact, if we really only have 18 to 20 years to really spend influencing our, life, our kids before they go off into the world, then half of that time is already gone with my firstborn son. And what that's made me realize is that we need to make the most of every opportunity that we have with them. That we must value our time with them and, and don't take it for granted. Now, Psalms 127.3 says this, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. We live in a society that tells us that children are an inconvenience. 
that they are a burden. And Scripture is, says plainly that all children are a gift from Him. And the way we view our children has an impact on the way that we raise them. When we view our children as a gift from God, it will have a positive impact on the way that we train them and the way that we raise them. But if we view our children as a burden, as an inconvenience, as a uh, just as a burden, it will have a negative impact on the way that we treat them and the way that we raise them. As a matter of fact, I believe we, we should never tell our children that if it, you know, if it wasn't for you, I'd be doing something better. Or we should never make our children feel like if it was just for you, I could really do the things that I really wanted to do. Because when we do that, it has a negative impact on our life that can scar them for life. And the life application for us this morning is we must value our children above our own success and interest. Philippians 2, 4 says this, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine, privilege, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. As parents, we need to have the same attitude towards our children that Jesus had towards us. He didn't look out only for his own interest. He looked out for our interest as well. As a matter of fact, if he would have been looking out for his own interest... He would have stayed in heaven because in heaven there was no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no persecution, and there's no cross. But Jesus had our interest in mind when he came to heaven. I mean, when he left heaven, he came to earth. And he was willing to face those things for our benefit. And as parents, we need to have the same attitude towards our children. I have lots of interests in my life. I like to fish. I like to play golf. I like to go to the movies. I like to hang out with my friends. But once I started having children, I had to realize that I had to put some of those interests on the back burner. Matter of fact, it didn't mean that I did away with them completely, but I had to realize that I had to pick my times when I could do them. Because I realized that one of the most important things that I could give my children is my time. And if all of my time is wrapped up in my own interests and the things that I want to do, I will miss out on being able to be a godly influence in their life. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 says this, I observe yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who work hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asked himself, Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and it's depressing. This guy in this proverb was a guy who the goal of his life was to be successful. The goal of his life was to accumulate a lot of wealth. And at the end of the life, he had done that. He had wealth. He was successful. But when he turned around and looked, he was like, all this is so meaningless because I have no meaningful relationships in my life. And as parents, we've got to make sure that we don't fall into this trap. We've got to realize that we can't have it all. We can't be working 100 hours at our office and expect to develop meaningful relationships with our children. If we really truly value our children, we really see them as a gift from God, we'll pour in the time and the energy that it takes to raise them. Now point two on your outline 
states this, God has given us the awesome responsibility to train our children. It's an awesome responsibility. And the word I mean by awesome is how the dictionary would define awesome. It would be in awe. It would be a great responsibility, a heavy responsibility, a a life-changing responsibility. I'll never forget when uh, uh, we brought Samuel home from the hospital, our first child, and and, uh, we got to the door, we opened up the door, and we heard this loud explosion. Matter of fact, we looked down at the child and said, there is no way that child just made that noise. He had one of those explosive diapers that only infants can have. And I'll never forget, we uh, took him, we put him on the diaper, the, the changing table, and uh, we looked at each other, and, and we were about to change that. And I looked at Shelly, and I said, Shelly, you sure have an awesome responsibility of changing these diapers for the next few years. That's not really ha- what happened. What really happened was this. We set him on the table, and we realized that there was not a nurse around, that none of our parents were around, but that this child was our responsibility for the next 18 to 20 years. And it was an eye-opening experience. It was a heavy and awesome and great responsibility. Now, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. First Timothy goes on to say this, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising the benefits in this life and in the life to come. A couple years ago, I had the privilege, the opportunity to coach uh, a Samuel's soccer team. And I used to play soccer as a child, and so I, I really liked soccer. And um, I wanted Samuel to be the best soccer player that he could be. So after school, we would go back in the backyards, and we would do tri- drills and, and do all kinds of things because my goal was to make him the best soccer player on the team. And can I tell you, I don't think that that was a bad uh, goal of mine. I wanted him to be good at that. I felt like it's God's responsibility for us to train up our children. But let me tell you this. I think there's something more important than having our child be the best soccer player or our child be the best baseball player or the best football player that he can get a scholarship or the best musician. What's more important than training our children in physical disciplines, it's teaching them how to have a relationship with God. And teaching them how to have godly character in their life. In fact, I believe as a parent, we have two main responsibilities in training up our child, children. Uh, number one is, is, point B, is point A on your outline. Is we must teach our children the importance of having a relationship with God. That's much more important than them being the, the greatest singer or the greatest football player. Or the greatest soccer player. Now, Deuteronomy... Um, chapter 6 actually gives us some pointers in how to teach our children to have a relationship with God. It says, And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. I believe this scripture gives us some pointers on how to teach our children to have a relationship with God. And this is the first point it makes. If we're going to teach our children to have good, God, good relationships and healthy relationships with God, we must have a healthy relationship with God. We can't teach our children something that we don't have. 
In fact, I believe that we teach our children more by the things that we do than the things that we say. If we're going to teach our children to have a relationship with God, we must be an example for them. The scripture says that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And then you must commit yourselves to the commands of God. And then you must repeat them to your children. So we must go first. We must be the example for them. A second point I believe this scripture points out to us is this, is we must look for opportunity to teach our children how to have a relationship with God. We must teach them at home. We must teach them when we're out and about. We must teach them when they're going to bed. We must teach them when they're waking up. We must look for those opportunities. Some of the ways uh, Shelly and I do this at our house is if one of our children um, come home and they've had a really, really bad day at school or they've got a bully that's bothering them, what we'll do is we'll actually pray with them about that situation. We'll open up Scripture and we'll see what Scripture has to say about that and how can that apply to their situation in their life. Another thing that we do is that um, we have an awesome children's program downstairs at our church. And one of the things that they provide for us as parents is they provide devotionals that we can do with our children throughout the week. And Shelly and I try to. We're not perfect at it by no means. But when we have time and we try to make it a priority in our life, that we sit down and we have those devotionals with our children. Now, last week I was not here at church because I was on a um, father-son fishing trip with Samuel in Arkansas. And uh, on our way to Arkansas, uh, we stopped to get some gas. And while we were in the car and about to get to the gas, a guy pulled up that was deaf and he held out a sign and said that he needed some help getting some gas. And my son turned to me and said, Dad, I think we need to help him. And it was an opportunity right there for me to teach my son how to help him. Who, to how to help that guy. If it wasn't for me as a parent, who else was going to teach him that? I think we need to look for opportunities. So we got the guy some gas and then Samuel and I prayed for the guy. We held hands and we actually prayed for him. But I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to do that because it was one of those God moments. And I think as parents, we need to be on the look for those type of moments. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 says, for you, know that we, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Now, I want to break this scripture down for you for just a moment. Paul was telling the Thessalonians, I'm going to treat you like a father ought to treat his children. I'm going to be encouraging, I'm going to be comforting, and I'm going to urge you to do godly things. And as parents, I think we need to take that as an example. We need to be encouraging to our kids. We need to build every opportunity we can. We need to build them up. We don't need to be tearing them down, telling them all the bad and negative things about their lives. We need to find the positive and begin to build them up and to begin to encourage them. We also need to be comforting. When one of our children come home from school and, and they've really had a hard day and they've really got things that are, are going on that they're really concerned about, you know the best way to be comforting towards that child is to listen to them. As parents, I know this is one of the areas I struggle with most in my life is sitting down. And really listening to what is concerning my children. But if we're going to be comforting, we need to listen to them. And then we also need to urge them 
to live a life worthy of God. We need to urge them to be in their Bible and pray. We need to urge them to go to church. We need to urge them uh, to do the right things with their friends. We need to urge them to help other people. If we're going to be good parents, we need to teach our children these things. Now, the second area I believe that God has given us the responsibility of training our children in is uh, point B. We must discipline our children to help them develop godly character. I believe as parents, part of our responsibility is to help our children develop godly character. And I believe that discipline is one of the areas that God has called us to do that. Matter of fact, I would, I would go to say this. Discipline is what produces character in our children. Proverbs 29, 15 and 17 says this. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Discipline your children and they will give you happiness and peace of mind. Now, if you're a parent and you've been through the two and three-year-old stage of life, you can probably attest to this scripture. Because there's nothing worse than when you're out with your child and about two years old and he decides that that's the time he's, going to, he's just going to throw a temper tantrum. I mean, he's just going to totally be unruly and undi- because he's, he's two, he's three. You're in the midst of training him and not to do those things. And you know what? It just brings discouragement and it just brings frustration in your life. But you would tell you what is also just as encouraging to a parent is when you've trained up your child and you've given them discipline and you've taught them the right things and you're out in public with your teenager and you tell them to do something, they turn to you and say, yes, sir, and they go and do it. It brings you joy and it brings you peace. And the scripture says it just the right way. Proverbs 23, 13, 14 says this, don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. I didn't say it. I read it. Scripture. Physical discipline may well save them from death. And one thing I realized about this scripture, it really is true, is um, uh, if you've noticed that the way that God has designed our body, uh, some of us have a little extra padding in one area more than in the other. I think that was on purpose. And I'm a testament to, um, to that. Now listen, I want you to understand something. When we talk about discipline produces character in our children, I want to spend the next, uh, the next part of our time going over six steps for disciplining our children uh, that has been very helpful uh, to us in our house and hopefully will be helpful to you. I'm not saying these are all the steps. I'm just saying these are some steps that I've learned that have been helpful to me. The first step is this. Define clear boundaries with clear consequences. If we're going to discipline our children, we need to define clear boundaries with clear consequences. And we need to make those boundaries very clear and the consequences very clear. One of the ways you do that is we, that I do it with our children is I realize that my children have a very small attention. Okay, So one of the things that I have to do, the first thing I'm going to do, if I'm going to make the boundaries very clear, is I have to get their attention. And the way I usually do that is I will get down on their level, I will get eye to eye to them, and I will speak very clearly and very plainly to them. And I will tell them exactly what I'm looking for. And I will say it in multiple different ways. Now, I learned this from my father. My father was really good about defining clear boundaries with clear consequences. As a matter of fact, when I was growing up, my brother and I would fight a lot in our car when we would go places. And if we started to argue in the car, we would, he, my dad would pull the car over. He would turn around, look in the back. He says, Guys, there's an imaginary line that runs right down the middle of this car. And some of you know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) 
You've been there. Okay. With that imaginary line, this is what my dad would turn to the turn to that. He would look me straight in the eye and say, son, if any part of your body crosses this imaginary line, I'm going to pull this car over and it's not going to be pretty. And then he would turn to my brother and said, listen, I'm going to pull over this car and it's not going to be pretty if, any of, if you put any part of your body on the other side of this imaginary line. And then he would turn around and he would ask us a question. He would say, if any part of either one of your bodies crosses this imaginary line, what is going to happen? You're going to pull the car over and it's not going to be pretty. Listen, my dad was a man of his word, and what he said went, and he was really true to his word. Another thing I want you to understand is with children, we have to be very, very clear about our expectations with them as well. The other day, Shelly had asked one of our children to go clean the room, and uh, the child went to the room, was there for a few minutes, and came back into the living room. And Shelly said, did you clean your room? And they were like, yeah. She said, well, let's go see. She walked in the room. She told me, she said, well, Tommy, there were some things that were moved around a little bit, but the room wasn't clean. And what she realized and what we realized is that we had never truly explained to our children what we meant when we said a clean room. So we actually had to go into that room and we had to clean it with them and show them what we meant, what our expectations were of them when we told them we wanted a clean room. Now, God did this for us. He did this for the children of Israel when uh, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on the mountain, um, after he gave those Ten Commandments, he told them, listen, Moses, if the children of Israel will obey these commands, I'll bless you. And he had Moses write out a long list of blessings that would happen if they would obey those commands. But he also said, listen, if you don't obey these commands, I'm going to give you a long list of bad things that are going to happen to you. And Moses wrote those down. In fact, it's recorded for us in Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28. Dr. Uh, 27 says this, And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. Got your pen, underline the word plainly. God said, make it plain. Write it down so it's very plain and everyone knows exactly what I'm saying. Deuteronomy 28 in the next chapter says this, You'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. But if you do not obey, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Now God set up very clear boundaries and very clear consequences. And as parents, I think that we need to take that example and, and, and do the same. Now, the second step in disciplining our children is this. We must be consistent and follow through. We must be consistent and follow through. I told you my dad was a man of his word. As a matter of fact, I found that out a couple of times that my hand went through that imaginary line. I found out that he really meant what he said. Uh, matter of fact, when I was 15 years old, I got my driver's license. And my driver's license had some restrictions on those. Uh, I could go to school and I could go to work. And those were the only two places I could go with the license that I had. And my parents had told me, Tommy, if you ever break the restrictions of your driver's license, I'll take away your car for two weeks. Well, sure enough, one day after work, I got off work a little early. And I said, um, I said you know what? I'm going to run down the road and see if my friends are home. So I got my car, and I went down to their house, and they, were not a, not, they weren't home. But I decided, you know what, I'm just going to turn around, make a U-turn, and go back home. Well, when I made that U-turn, all of a sudden I saw some bright red and blue lights start flashing. And a cop pulled me over and gave me a ticket for making an illegal U-turn in the road. So when I got home, I was busted. I had broke the restrictions of my uh, license. So I walked in, I showed them my license, 
And I just handed him my keys and went on into my room. <laughs> because I already knew what the punishment was. I already knew. They had made it very clear what was happening. You know, as a parent, looking back, I realized this. That that discipline that they did with me with taking my car away for the next two weeks was probably harder on them than it was on me. See, because my mom had to take me to work for the next two weeks. My mom had to take me to school for the next two weeks. It was very inconvenient. Can I tell you, as parents, sometimes it's very inconvenient to follow through on the things that we tell our children that we're going to do. We can't make empty promises. Matter of fact, um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 says this, Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. As parents, many times we make the mistake of threatening our children without following through. We've all seen the scenario, or if you've been like me, been in the scenario where this kind of happens. You're at the park, you're at the zoo, and little Johnny starts pulling little Susie's hair. And this is what you say to Johnny. Johnny, if you pull your sister's hair again, we're going to leave. And a little bit later, you're still walking, and little Johnny does it again. He pulls Susie's hair. And you say, Johnny, I'm not kidding. Don't pull your sister's hair again. Go down the road a little bit longer, and he does it again. And this is what we say. Johnny, this is your last warning. If you do that again, we're going home. And all of a sudden, we make these empty promises to our kids, and we never follow through. And what we teach our kids is that what we say does not matter. And we teach them not to listen to us and not to obey us. And matter of fact, if when we do that in our lives, all of a sudden we get up and they're teenagers and we wonder, why don't they listen to us? It's because we never follow through on the things that we say. Now point three, or not point three, step three. Step three in disciplining our children is that we must make the goal correction. When we discipline our children, the goal has got to be correction. Proverbs 3 Verse 12 says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Our goal when we discipline our children has got to be correcting their behavior, correcting their, um, uh, their, their behavior and their attitude is the things that we're after. We're after trying to correct that. We're not after trying to uh, get back at them for, for embarrassing in front of our friends. The goal shouldn't be to get revenge or to just... Say, listen, I'm going to show you who's boss. When we discipline our children, the goal has got to be correcting their attitude and correcting their behavior. Matter of fact, a lot of people wonder, well, how can I really love my kids and discipline them? Well, listen, the two go hand in hand. If we love our children, we'll love them enough to correct their behavior. Dr. James Dobson puts it this way. I thought this was very good. He says, appropriate discipline It's not something parents do to a child. It is something done for them. Appropriate discipline says to a child, I love you too much to let you behave like that. Correction has got to be our goal. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instructions that come from the Lord. Our attitude when we're disciplining our children, will have an effect on them. If we, if we discipline them with the right attitude and with the right goal in mind, being correction, it will bring the results that we want. 
But when we do it with the wrong attitude, out of anger, out of frustration, out of bitterness, out of revenge, it will absolutely cause the exact, the thing that we're trying to correct, it will cause it to get worse. Instead of causing correction, it will cause rebellion. It will cause resentment. And it will cause those things in our children. So we've got to be careful uh, how, we, how we discipline our children. And that leads us to step four. We must never discipline our children in anger. This is a hard one sometimes because when your children are acting up, sometimes my blood starts boiling. Sometimes I'm just frustrated and very angry. Well, I, what, I've got, what I've come to realize is that I can't discipline correctly when I'm in that state. In fact, it's okay for when your 17-year-old kid comes in uh, late. Of, when he comes in late and he's broken curfew, it's okay for you to tell him, hey, go to bed. Uh, we'll talk about this in the morning. It's okay when your son uh, does something at the house that he breaks that boundary and you have to discipline him. It's okay for you to tell him, hey, go to your room. I'll be in there in a moment. It does two things. Number one, it gives you time to really think through how you're going to correct him. And number two, it gives him time to think about what he did wrong. And that's invaluable. Because if our goal is to, to make correction in their lives, I'd much rather them come to the conclusion of what they did was wrong than for me to show them that. Step, <coughs> sorry. Matter of fact, James uh, verse 1 says this, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angered. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Remember, anger will not produce correction. It will produce resentment and frustration. Step five on our outline says this. We must always discipline in private. We must always discipline in private. Matthew 18, 15 says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the, point out the offense. A note on this is when we discipline our children in public, it brings them shame instead of correction. Now listen, I realize that there are times when we're out and about and we're at the grocery store or we're out in the park and our kids start acting up. And I'm not saying to wait until you get home to correct them. I believe in, in correcting them very quickly. What I am saying is find the most private place you can and correct them. Don't do it in private. I mean, don't do it in public. If you do it in public, it will bring them shame. And that's not what our goal is. Our goal is to bring them correction. Now, point six on your outline says this. We must show our children forgiveness. Colossians 3, verse 13 says, Make allowances for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Once... We have disciplined our children and, and the deed's done and it's over with. We need to give them, forgive them. And the way this looks like in our house a lot of times is if I've disciplined one of my children and it's over, I'll usually put them in my lap, I'll look them in the eye, I'll hold them, and I'll tell them how much I love them. I will tell them that they're a really good kid. As a matter of fact, they're a much better kid than what their action what their action was. Matter of fact, I will try to find a way to separate who the kid is from the action they did. Because isn't that what God does for us? I mean, God loves us as sinners, but He hates our sin. And as parents, we've got to realize that we've got to separate who the child is from what the child has done. And then I'll actually say, I forgive you for hitting your sister. I'll forgive you for coming in late. Don't do it again. 
And Jesus said, Jesus said, I forgive you, go and sin no more. And so we're actually giving them, we're modeling what Jesus is in our lives to them. Now, I'm going to ask our, our pastor, uh, senior pastor John Schmidt to come up for a moment. Because when I was going over this outline, John, uh, we made a note. And one of the notes was that our relationship with our children must change as they grow. Now, we're at different stages in our life with where we are with our kids. Yeah, we really are. I mean, Tommy's oldest is 10. My, my oldest son is 23. And uh, even as we're speaking this morning, he's on his way to Chicago to begin an internship this fall. He graduated from college last spring. I have another son that's uh, halfway through college and another one that's junior in high school. And so we're at a different place in our relationships. When, where you are with your children, it's a lot more hands-on, and especially with little Ethan at three, you've got to watch out. And no, just, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, there you go. You've got to watch out for him a lot. Well, you try doing that with a teenager, no, 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 no. That's not going to go over That's at all. Uh, and especially when they get to be older, like my oldest son, I've really moved into the capacity with him of being a counselor, an advisor. And I want to keep the relationship open so he can call me anytime. We talked a lot this last week before he headed out about his finances, about his future plans, how he's going to handle things. And I want to keep that open to him. But now I'm in the role, I'm in the capacity of being an advisor and a counselor. Whereas when he was younger, and we had to do a lot of things that were hands-on. And so my role changed. I had to grow and mature as a parent. Debbie and I both did as our children grew and matured. And there's a proverb that I wanted to make sure that we mentioned here this morning, and that's this. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. There is no reason on earth that we should expect that we know how to parent kids from birth all the way through college or, or beyond without any sort of input from somebody else. Some of us had great parents that modeled a lot of great things for us. Some of us hardly knew our parents. And so it would behoove us if we could spend some time to, to read, to get good counsel, here at Centerpoint, it's one of the reasons we've created connect groups. Have you all ever heard me mention connect groups before? <laughs> Possibly so. I keep pushing people toward these things because when you get in a connect group with other people, you'll find others that are struggling with the same things you're struggling with. And you know what? They'll have good advice for you. One of the smartest things that I was advised about years ago was, hey, when you're going through life, find somebody who's a stage ahead of you and go get counsel from them. And on more than one occasion in my life, I've gone to lunch with somebody, bottom lunch, somebody who was four or five years older than I am, had kids four or five years older than my kids. I could say, so when my kids were in high school, I could talk to them about what it's like to have a kid in college. When my kids were just toddlers, I could talk about, hey, what's it like to coach a Dixie League team? I could find out what's coming next. I could get wisdom. And I would encourage you, there's no reason on earth to think that, hey, just because we're good at parenting kids when they're little that will, without any help or any wisdom, we can just stretch that out all the way to the time they leave our house because uh, that probably won't happen. So the point you're telling me is that just because I get good at uh, one stage in my life, uh, I think I got it figured out, yeah. it's going to change. Yeah, about the time you get it mastered <laughs> is the time they get into the Thanks. next one. Okay. Thanks for the encouragement, John. Yeah. <laughs> and anybody who has multiple children can attest to this. I mean, I'm the sixth of six kids in my family. My oldest sister is about 10 years older than I am. She was number one and I was number six. And we've compared notes on my, on my parents. And she said, you got a much better deal than I did, okay? <laughs> they warmed up on me. And, uh, and she was right. 
And I've done the same with my three boys. We learned as we went. And that kind of brings us to the last point here, that God has given us parents to guide us. If you're a student living home with your parents, I mean, pray for them. They're learning this just like you are. They love you, and they're doing the best they can to raise you. But I promise you, it's harder than it looks. It can be challenging at times, but God has given us this responsibility. And I would really encourage you to look at your parents as a gift, because they are. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you 100%. It's like if God's given us the responsibility as parents to, uh, to raise children, then one of the responsibilities of children is to honor their parents and to actually learn from them and to realize that's what they're trying to do. In fact, uh, a scripture on this in Ephesians 6, 2 through 3 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Proverbs says it this way, my, ch- my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. You know, if, if, if you're in here today and you're a teenager, and, and I tell you one of the things that, that you'll realize as you get older is that your parents aren't as dumb as you thought they were at that stage. Matter of fact, the older I get, the more I realize my dad was a genius. Yeah, my, my dad became brilliant while I was off of college. I don't know what he was studying, but when I had to go get a job myself and start my own family, all of a sudden my dad had all this wisdom that I never realized was there before. And obviously it was just because I had changed, and I began to realize what a gift he had given me by teaching me the value of hard work and the value of being honest and all the character qualities that I, I saw in him over and over again. And as you pointed out before, if we don't teach our kids those things, who will? But I would also tell you, every person here, if you haven't thanked God for your parents lately, do so today and honor them. Hey, this has been a good lesson, Tommy. Thank you very much Thank for you. sharing that with us today. Good. Well, before we end this morning, I want to uh, just take time just to remind you that, that God really has given us responsibility with our children. And it's a, um, it really is an awesome responsibility that we need to take seriously. We need to get counsel. We need to get wisdom so that we can do it to the very best that we can. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you this morning, Lord God, for your word. I pray that, Lord God, that you would help us put it into practice. Lord, I pray that you would help us and that you would bring along uh, books and uh, people in different stages of their life or uh, things like that that we can actually gain wisdom from that we can learn from. Lord, I pray that, Lord God, that we really would have healthy relationships with our kids. And, Lord God, I pray that, um, Lord God, that you would teach us how to do that. And we pray those things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.